What's up, church? The 7 o'clock in the house. So good to see you tonight. Thank you for joining us today. You guys, I've been excited for this day for several weeks now. Uh, this is week three of Religion Rehab, and today is all about healing. Today is all about healing, and uh, I can say that with confidence, not because I'm great or because worship or whatever. I can say that with confidence because Jesus is alive, he is in this place, and he is ready to heal. In fact, 2,000 years ago, he walked into a situation like this, and he said, hey, is anybody tired? Is anybody worn out? Is anybody burnt out? Come to me. Come to me and you will find rest. In fact, he says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm humble in heart. And he goes, you will find rest for your soul. And so my question tonight is, is, is anybody tired, like at a soul level? Does like soul rest sound good to anybody? Anybody tired in a way that a good night's sleep's not going to fix? You know what I mean? Jesus goes, hey, I get that. Hey, I, I get that. In fact, I've come to make a better way. Uh, I, I've come to create a way for you to heal. And so hear me say right up top, man, you can heal here. You can heal here. And in these next few minutes as we open up this book and, and read this story and unpack it a little bit, my prayer has been, our prayer has been that you would heal tonight. So go to John chapter 20 if you have your Bible. If not, don't worry, it'll be up on the screen. John chapter 20 is, is post. Jesus has already, already gone to the cross. He's already, Resurrection Sunday has already happened. He's back. And he's appeared to his disciples, but one of, their, one of his disciples wasn't with them when he appeared. It was this guy named Thomas. You maybe heard Thomas. You probably heard the word doubting Thomas, right, be, be given to him. Uh, I, I read his story and I go, not really doubting Thomas, more just human Thomas, more just uh, tired Thomas, worn out Thomas in need of some, some rehab Thomas. And so I, I want to read how Jesus approaches a, a man who, like so many of us, was tired, was worn out. This is verse 24. It says, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, a cooler name if you ask me, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. We don't really know why. I've, I've got some thoughts that I'll share in, in a few minutes. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. He's back. Thomas doesn't want to have it. He says to them, look, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. I saw him, I saw him, I heard he went to the cross. But if you want to tell me that he's back, I'm going to have to see it to believe it. Well, verse 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he zeroes in on Thomas. You ever been in a crowded room and felt like somebody walks in and is talking straight to you? Jesus zeroes in on Thomas and he says, Thomas, 
Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Short story, easy to skip right by. I think there is uh, immense wisdom in that story that is going to apply to our week this week. I titled this message, Books on the Shelf. Books on the Shelf, if you're taking notes, that will make sense by the end of this service. God, I thank you for um, this place. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. God, as we work through this story, I pray healing right now in the name of Jesus over this place. Amen. Amen. Hey, do we have any, any uh, world travelers in, in the room tonight? Any tra- anybody like to travel? I love to travel. Um, it's something I, I really enjoy doing, but there's one piece of traveling that I just can't stand. It's not the flight. Don't mind the flight. What I can't stand is packing. Anybody with me here? Like, I, listen, I consider myself a pretty confident person until it becomes time to pack. And then I just get, like, so anxious and, and so nervous because um, I'm not the best planner in the world. And when you pack, you have to be able to think ahead, right? When it's, like, two-day trip, whatever, no big deal. But if it's a week, like, my mind starts going to all of these crazy hypothetical situations that, like, might pop up. Right? So I'll be like putting my running shoes in, in my bag and then I'll think like, well, what if I'm on a run and it starts to rain and then my shoes get muddy and then I run into Kobe Bryant and he's like, hey, Ryan, I need you to come out to my basketball camp and teach these kids how to play ball. And I'm like, yeah, no, Kobe, I, I got you. I'm going to be there. Like I can't walk into Kobe's basketball camp with muddy shoes, you know, so I'm going to need another pair of shoes. So I throw another pair in there and more clothes. And then before I know it, I can like barely close my bag because I'm planning for all these hypothetical situations, which, by the way, never happen and won't ever happen unless somebody has a connection to Kobe in here. Or, Kobe, if you're listening, let's do this. No, Kobe's, Kobe's not listening to this. I, I promise you that, right? But, but, okay, the worst part for me is with books. Can anyone relate to that? I, for whatever reason, when I travel, I, somewhere in the back of my mind, feel like I just am going to turn into the world's fastest speed reader, like snap of the finger. Like, well, it's a three-hour plane trip. Better pack like five books, you know, want to be like prepared. And then what happens is I get on the plane and I get like halfway through chapter one of book one and I fall asleep until we land. And I'm like, great, now I got to carry all this extra baggage around with me, which brings us to this. This ugly-looking gray suitcase is really special to, to us. Uh, back in 2012, Doug and, and Ethan and I traveled around the world for a year. And uh, if you thought packing for a week was hard, try a year. Like, it was, it was very, very difficult for me to sit down and plan out an entire year of my life. Because, because especially with books, clothes you can wash, shoes you can buy, books can only be reread a certain amount of times, right? So I'm thinking, like, hey, we got to have books for the entire year, which means we should probably bring, like, our own suitcase, this exact one, and just pack it full of as many extra books as we can because we don't want to run out of things to read. I don't know if you know anything about books, but they're very heavy, And so we had 50 pounds of books that we carried around the entire world in this suitcase. Now, some days that just meant getting it on a plane, no big deal. 
Other days it meant fitting it into a very crowded taxi cab. Other days it meant using it as a pillow on a ship. Or my personal favorite, one night Ethan and I were driving through the streets of Kampala in Uganda and we uh, had this random Ugandan man's motorcycle and, and he was driving us around and I was carrying both of my, our personal bags like this. It wasn't a big bike, so it was the guy, me, holding my, our bags like this, and then Ethan just had this bag with 50 pounds of books in it, and he's just holding it like this for like a half hour at 2 a.m. through the streets of Kampala, and I'm like, we're going to die. And at some point during that trip, I looked back at E, and I said, hey, man, maybe this wasn't worth it, right? I, I, uh, it's funny, we, we landed at, at Denver International Airport. My buddy Nate pick, picked me up, and I... Uh, Jump in his car, I put this in his back seat, and I'm telling him the story. Like, yeah, we carried this around everywhere we went. <laughs> he looks at me without skipping a beat. He goes, hey, uh, why didn't you get a Kindle? <laughs> and I thought, cool, Nate, you've always been smarter than me. You're right. He's like, yeah, there's this, this device that you can put those books on, plus many, many more, and just slide that into your bag. And reality is sinking in, in my heart, as he says this, that I just carried 50 extra pounds of weight around the entire world for no reason. Now, here's why I tell you that story. 2,000 years ago when Jesus said, hey, is anybody tired? Anybody worn out? Anybody in need of some soul rest? I think what was going on in the back of his mind as he looked out at all the people he was talking to was, hey, uh, you guys are carrying 50 extra pounds of baggage around with you called wounds, called pain from the past. Hey, uh, I'm Jesus. We can heal from that. We can heal from that. Hey, we've got a big job to do. We've got a, a, a church to build, and it's going to be difficult enough. Let's, let's put down the 50 extra pounds. Let's put that over here, and let's learn to travel light. So my thought for tonight is, hey, what if we as a church in Austin, Texas, learn how to travel light. Because, let's be real, as we go, right, as, as we learn to step into everything that God has for us, the world just deals us a difficult hand sometimes. We all get hurt. We all pick up baggage along the way. Ryan, what, what, what do you mean by that? Well, let's, let's just kind of work through this one at a time. Maybe for you it was an event. Maybe for you it was uh, uh, like a rejection, right? Like you, you fall in love with somebody and then they break your heart. And that event of them walking out on you or breaking up with you or whatever it was, like that does something to your soul. It's called wounds. We all experience it, right? Maybe you finally get your dream job that you've been working towards for all of these years and then it doesn't work out. The business that you've been trying to start never gets off the ground. Man, these things, like, like this rejection, it's painful. It does something to our soul. So, so think back to the story we just read. Our, our boy Thomas, doubting Thomas, tired Thomas. Hey, he's been traveling with Jesus for three and a half years. Everything was going so well. He's thinking, hey, we're going to change the world. The kingdom of heaven is, is at hand. We're doing all these amazing things. And then one night, one event... Out of nowhere, a bunch of Roman soldiers come and arrest his best friend. They take him away. And I got to just think that in that moment, Thomas picked up some baggage. 
but he probably did what I would do and what I think a lot of us do in that moment. You go, yeah, but you know what? Life's crazy enough. It's difficult enough. I got so much on my plate. I'm just going gonna, gonna to put that there. I'm going to compartmentalize that. I'm going to lock that into a secret place in, in my soul. I'm going to put a smile on my face. I'm going to get back to it. Or, or maybe for us, it's a, it's a person. People have this incredible way of wounding each other. And the closer that person is to you, the deeper the wound goes. We could pass this mic around and hear story after story after story of that happening to people in this room. And that pain, that hurt, is real, man. Like deceit. Your business partner that you thought you were, you guys were going to take over the world together, and then then he runs out with all of the money, right? Like 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 pain, abuse, suffering, the things that we can do to each other. We pick up baggage along the way. Think about Thomas. Three and a half years with his best friends. One of those guys was a guy named Judas. Now we always talk about Judas like after. We know that, that he, oh yeah, he's the one that, that messed it all up. But remember, before that happened, he was just one of their best friends. They trusted him. They trusted him so much, they let him carry all the money. Thomas and Judas were very good friends. In fact, that day, they probably had a conversation. And then that night, as the Roman soldiers come out of the trees to arrest Jesus, it's Judas. It's a person. One of Thomas's best friends leading the charge, going, yeah, I knew they'd be here. That's the guy. Take him. Like, if you're Thomas, you got to be thinking, what's the deal, man? Like, I, I thought we had something really good going on. You guys, that stuff hurts. That stuff leaves wounds. Pain is a real thing. But Thomas, like me and like all of us or a lot of us, probably didn't quite know what to do with that pain. And life's busy enough. You got enough on your plate. So you just kind of find a place in your soul and you throw it down in there and you lock the door and you go, oh, I'll think about that some, some other time. Put a smile on your face. Let's go. Right. Or, or one more. What about, what about this one? What about, what about church? Uh, Doug shared our story a little bit last week. Uh, talked about when we, we were in high school, uh, part of a, a really just nasty church split, and it just wasn't handled well, really from all sides. And what our young minds heard was, you're not welcome here, get out. And we took that literally for several years. And we thought, okay, if this is what church is all about, I don't, I don't want any part of this. I'm, I'm out of here. Thomas following Jesus as they start this amazing movement of love and bringing the kingdom of heaven to this earth. And then it's the religious leaders who orchestrate his death. The Sadducees, the Pharisees. Like, look, if I'm Thomas in that moment and I watch that happen, I'm going, hey, I'm done. I'm sorry. That's too much. Oh, we're supposed to be a, a part of, of this organization, and yet we're killing each other? No, I'm good. I'm going to go do my own thing. And so it makes total sense to me that Thomas was not present the first time Jesus appeared. Thomas, I don't know where he was. I don't know what was going through his mind. What I do know is he was tired. He was burnt out. He was over it. 
so much so that he went into a back room and he locked the door. Anybody ever felt that way? Anybody ever better know how that feels? I would wager a guess that the answer is yes, because this room is full of human beings. This is a part of the story. And yet Jesus 2,000 years ago said, hey, if you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're burned out, come to me and you will find rest for your soul. So, so, so watch what happens as Thomas has the door locked and he's back in this back room just going, you know what? I don't want any piece of this because Thomas understood Friday. Thomas knew what happened to Jesus on Friday. He understood that the nails went through his hand, that he breathed his last breath, and that he was done on Friday. What Thomas didn't stick around long enough to see, though, is what happened on Sunday. That the, that the creator of the universe was saying, no, 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 it was finished on Friday. On Sunday, we're saying just getting started. And his buried body began to breathe. And he walked out of that tomb with the keys to life going, hey, let's go. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We got a church to build people. Let's go do this thing. Thomas didn't stick around long enough to see that. Okay, so, so get this. You guys, you got to see this because this is God's heart. God, on the brink of the most important moment in history, Jesus goes, yeah, 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 we're going to go build this church. It's going to be amazing. But first, I got something I need to do. My buddy Thomas, he's tired. He, he's struggling. He's got, he's got some baggage. He's got some wounds that he's carrying around. And so he seeks him out, even though Thomas has the door locked, Jesus seeks him out. He sits down right next to him and doesn't shake his head at Thomas's pain, doesn't say, hey, Thomas, just get over it. Instead, what does he do? He goes, hey, Thomas, I know it's hard. In fact, this world has thrown some wounds at me, too. Look, see them, feel them. It, in fact, they're not wounds anymore, are they? They've been healed and they're scars, right? And, and so, so Thomas, resurrection will follow crucifixion if we allow it. In other words, the deepest, darkest, most hurtful things that have happened to you, God will not just make them better. He will then use them to do amazing things in this world if we will put in the time to heal. Well, Ryan, that sounds, that sounds like a, a lot. What, what are you talking about? Okay, let's walk through this just very, very practically. I've been trying to think all week, how can I, how can I just lay out this process in the most practical way that I could just give everybody so that this week we can just start looking at our baggage, which we all have, by the way. If you're in here like, how does he know this about me? It's because we all have this because we're all human. How can we start to look at this baggage and heal from it. Three simple steps, and this is oversimplified, of course, but hey, just because something's simple doesn't mean that it's easy. Your healing journey might be just tonight. It might, tonight it might just be the start of, of, um, uh, of a, a long, amazing, beautiful, but hard journey toward recovery. And, and listen, some of you may need to go through these three steps with a, a trusted friend. Others of you may need to go through these steps with a, a paid professional. Right? But three easy steps, not easy, sorry, three simple steps for healing. We'll put them up right here. And I, I would say it just like this. If we've got books in our bag, baggage holding us down, weighing us down, pain, here's what we need to learn how to do, I think. 
Read it, release it, shelf it. Read it, release it, shelf it. Ryan, what are you talking about? Well, I've, I've got a, uh, a bookcase in my room. Um, my, my friends will tell you I might be the world's worst interior designer that has ever lived. In fact, my sister-in-law, Sam, uh, when I was decorating, I was just FaceTiming her the entire time going, Sam, what do I do here? Because I don't know how to do any of this. But there's one piece in my house that I care a lot about, and it's my bookshelf. Like, I spend a lot of time, I've, alpha, I've put the books in by alphabetical order, like, and by genre and topic. Like, I'm really proud of it, and here's why. It's because it's very therapeutic for me to finish a book, to read it, to release it, and then to put it up on my shelf. Because when I'm carrying a book around, it's weighing me down until I finish it. I read it all, I release it, and then I go put it up on the shelf. Suddenly, that isn't baggage weighing me down. That's wisdom that I can share with the world. See, I think resurrected Jesus comes to Thomas and goes, hey, um, I know you've got this pain. I know you've got these books and they're going to weigh you down. So let's jump in. Let's read it. Let's release it. And let's put it back on the shelf. So Jesus sits down and he goes, are you ready to heal? Are you ready to heal? And I I think that all across this room, that's the question that that we need to answer. Hey, are we ready to heal? Are we ready to find freedom? Because when we are, man, when we're ready to read it, release it, and shelf it, God's going, hey, let's do this thing. Let's heal. So let's do it together. Let me show you what I mean. The book, event, the hard thing that happened to you, right? The the thing from your past. Doug and I, that, that, that church split, that hurt. It hurt us so much that that we walked away from it all for several years. And then one night, a mentor of ours, a good friend of ours, who had been involved in the the whole thing, took us out to dinner, and he just started asking us questions. I didn't know what he was doing at the time. I know now he was trying to get us to read the pain. And here's what what he asked us. I'll put it on the board. These these three questions, if we can learn to, to take all of our pain and just ask these three questions... Um, Again, maybe to a friend, for you external processors out there, I'm the guy that needs to just get away, and I'm the internal guy. I just need to write it all out in in my journal. Um, You learn to ask these three questions about your pain this week. What happened from your perspective? You don't have to hold back. You don't have to sugarcoat. What happened in that event from your perspective? So when we do that, it's like reading it. And then, what do you think happened from their perspective? When Jake... When uh, he asked us that, uh, I didn't, I, I, it was my first time I'd ever thought about that. First time I ever like, wait, what do you mean from, from their perspective? I know, I know now he was trying to get us to, to empathize with their situation. And then the last one, which I think is the best one, hey, why do you think they acted that way? Keep digging deeper and you go, hey, what do you think was behind them doing that thing that they did? And here's what Jake was doing. He was going, hey, if you can just learn to empathize, then bitterness has just lost the only stronghold that it has on your soul. If you can learn to put yourself in their shoes and go, oh, well, they're probably hurting. They've probably been hurt and hurt people hurt people. And so that's probably what was going on there. Man, I, I'm telling you, bitterness is just like, well, we, we can no longer 
hold on to, to this bitterness has to go as soon as we start to empathize with other people's stories. That's why Doug said last week, there's no one we can't learn to love if we would just take the time to sit down and hear their story. That's why we read it. That's why we, we, we allow ourselves to, to go there because after we read it, it's so much easier to, to finish it, to get to the end, to release it, and then to put it up on our shelf. See, when wounds heal, they don't just go away. They become scars. At least that's what happened to Jesus. Resurrected Jesus had scars to show Thomas because wounds are baggage that hold us down, that weigh us down, but scars are wisdom. They're stories to tell. They're our ability to go, hey, I've been here before. I've seen God come through before in this place, and he's going to do it again. See, when we start getting some books on our shelf, all of a sudden we start becoming these, these men and women of God that other people flock to because they go, hey, I've got a similar story. And you go, great, why don't you take a seat because I got that book on my shelf. I'd love to unpack that with you. Okay, people. I, I am so guilty of this one. This whole thing, I'm preaching to myself. I hope you know that. Literally, I've been at it for like four weeks, and we're almost done. We're almost done. You guys doing okay? This is heavy, I know, but we're going to heal. We're going to heal. Okay, people, here's what I do. I do this, and I sit down with people for coffee all the time, and I can tell this is exactly what they're doing. They go, well, Ryan, like, I'm right. To which I would say, yeah, you probably are. Well, well, that means they're wrong. Okay, maybe, probably. Well, I can't let them get away with that. To which I would say, uh, get away with what exactly? Because it kind of seems to me like you're the one who's upset about this. It kind of seems to me like you're the one losing sleep over this. It kind of seems to me like you're the one walking around with 50 extra pounds of, of baggage in your suitcase. It kind of seems to me like you're the one exhausted, worn out, burnt out, right? Something so beautiful happens, you guys, when we learn to forgive. Somebody said bitterness is like drinking poison and wishing it on them wishing it on the person that you're angry at. We hold on to bitterness. We think somehow it's hurting them, and the truth is it's hurting us more than anything. And can I just say this? Um, I'm bored with bitterness. Because bitterness feels good. feels good for a while. You know what's even better? Healing and having a story to tell and then going and sharing that story with people and helping them heal and seeing the kingdom of God come to the city that you live in. That's more fun to me. And so I say, you know what? Hey, let's read it. Let's go there. Let's see it from their perspective. Even if it hurts, let's release it and let's put it back on our shelf because I'm telling you, I, I promise you, this room is full of people whose this is their story. They've done that process and then like a week later, God brought somebody into their life with the same exact story. When we read it, we can release it. We can put it back up on the shelf. Then we can share it. Read it. Release it. Shelf it. Share it. Read it. Release it. Shelf it. Share it. Read it. Release it. Shelf it. Share it. What about, what about church? 
What about church? Uh, hey, there are people in this room. I know because somebody came up to me after the 11 o'clock service. She said, hey, uh, I haven't stepped foot in a church in nine years. And so uh, I'm just going to assume that that is true right now. And I don't know what it was. I don't know uh, who hurt you. I don't know what happened. I don't need to know. Here's what I can tell you. One, you are so loved in this place. You are so loved in this place exactly as you are. And two, we are, and I'm speaking for the Big C Church now, a bunch of imperfect people doing our best, man, to pursue a perfect God, and we fall short. We fall short. And so for what it's worth, let me just say I'm so sorry. Whatever it was, I'm sorry. It's easy to let our view of church dictate our view of a loving, perfect, grace-filled God. And I think that we just need to sit down and be real for a few minutes tonight and, and dive into the pain and actually read it and go there and think about it. Because the church is the bride of Christ. This is plan A, and yet we're all messy. Hey, listen, if, if you're in here and you would honestly say, I know it's church, so it's hard, it's hard to be honest. You would maybe never say this out loud. But if there's a piece of you going, hey, uh, that old church that I used to go to, when I hear that things are going bad for them, there's a piece of my heart that celebrates. You've got some church baggage and you need some healing. Sometimes it's as easy as just saying it. That, that whole church comparison competition thing. Can I tell you, that is a fool's game in the kingdom of heaven. A fool's game. For 10,000 years from now, I'm so convinced of this, man. 10,000 years from now, we're all going to be sitting around a giant table sharing a meal, laughing, telling stories about everything that God did. And we're going to wonder in that moment why we wasted so much energy throwing stones at each other. We're all in this together. And so, one, thank you for being here. Thank you for trusting us in this place. But let's heal. Let's read it. Let's release it. Let's put it back up on the shelf. You know what's crazy? Uh, oftentimes, it's people that get us into this mess. And yet, God and his sovereignty often will use other people to help us heal. That's, that's my story. That's our story. Um, Doug, and, Doug and Ethan and I 
uh, well, well, Doug and I, on the heels of, of that whole church thing, we're, we're over it and we're, we're running away from it and we're just like, whatever, whatever, let's just go do our own thing. We go off to college and we're just trying to have fun. We're just trying to enjoy our lives. In fact, we're quickly becoming best friends with this guy named Ethan who uh, we become best friends with because in a school full of 40,000 students, he is, and I'm not exaggerating, the best of those 40,000 at throwing a party and having a good time. And when that's, your, when that's where your head's at, you're like, well, we got to roll with this guy. Hey, uh, by the way, he still is. It's just that it's the redeemed version of that now. We call it church, and we do it three times every week. Welcome to Ethan's party. Savage Seven, Seven Heaven, whatever we come up with, I don't know. But the three of us knew enough to know we needed at least supplement our life with a little bit of Jesus. And so we, on Tuesday nights, we'd go to this, this college ministry and we'd sit in the back and we'd leave right away until one day these, uh, these two older guys, you know in college when two seniors come up to you, you feel like, oh, they're so old. And then you get out of college and you're like, we're all the exact same age. <laughs> these two seniors come up to the three of us, and they go, hey, you guys are coming with us. Like, what? Yeah, we're starting a group. We're starting a group. You guys are coming with us. And we're sitting there like, really? Us? Yeah. So we all, the three of us, drive together, walk into that first group, and pretty on edge, and are just met with so much love, so much uh, space to process, so much space to ask questions. We knew enough to know that we needed to supplement our lives with a little bit of Jesus. What we didn't know is we were a few months away from supplement Jesus to be becoming Savior Jesus, where he would grab a hold of our heart and he would help us work through this baggage and our lives would never be the same. See, he, he took our baggage, our books in our, in, our, in our bag that we're carrying around and he said, hey, we can heal from that. We can read that. We can release that. We can shelf it. We can put it on your shelf so that you, 10 years from now, 11 years from now, whatever, when you've got a church of your own, you've got some wisdom with you, right? And uh, I don't know your story, but I would say the reason we do groups unapologetically is because it works. Like, you need people in your corner. Well, Ryan, I don't know if I can, like, if I'm ready to sit in someone's living room. Cool. Go join one of our hiking group, our rock climbing group our fitness group, our running group. Just go be with people. Start there. Well, Ryan, I'm like brand new to this whole thing. I'm not going to know anything great. The Robinsons have a new believers group. Jump in that. Learn. Start from the beginning, man. Take it slow. I got so many hurts, habits, and hangups. Nobody's going to want me to be there. One, that's not true. Two, go join the freedom group. Spend the, spend the fall working through that stuff in a safe place. Or join one of our over 20 groups that meet all around the greater Austin area different nights of the week. 13 weeks. That's all it is. 13 weeks. It'll be done by Christmas. Uh, but last week, we were on a group text with those nine guys that this whole thing started with uh, 11 years ago. We walked into their group. We were texting last week because once a year we find a weekend to all get together to pray and to check in and to have a good time and to encourage each other and set some goals and make sure we're still moving forward because you never know 
when 13 weeks will become 11 years. And in two years, I'll be able to say when 13 weeks becomes 13 years, and that'll sound cooler. But I can't lie. Um, we, as a church, need to heal. Because we, as a church, are a people. So that statement is true all across the board. Even the best churches, man. There's always more healing to happen. Because when we read it, we can release it. We can shelf it. Then we can share it. So Thomas, wounded, tired Thomas, locked away in a room, meets Jesus face to face, sees Jesus' wounds that have now become scars, and healing takes place. The books in his bag become books on his shelf. You know what happens after that? We only get one more mention of Thomas in, in Acts chapter 1, so this is extra biblical, but tradition says, take it for, for what it is. Tradition says he goes on to be a missionary. He goes to India. Sails to a, a, a state in India called Kerala. I'm making E do that all day. Maybe it's because I don't remember. Sails to a state in India called Kerala. And uh, what's interesting about that is we have a, a, a dear friend who's from Kerala. He's born there. And he's now this church planner in India, this wild guy, amazing missionary. Ethan's done a ton of work with him. And his last name is Thomas. And he'll tell you proudly that, that, that Thomas didn't stop with the baggage. He didn't get apathetic with the pain. He healed and then he sailed to Kerala to plant the church there. And he got his squad together. He got his team together. And he started making disciples there. And Sabi will tell you that, that Kerala is known. It's the state known for sending the most missionaries and church planters out to other areas in India. So tonight as we sing Kerala, there's churches in Kerala joining with us going, hey, we've got a similar story to tell. And it all happened because a guy didn't stay hurt. He healed. He let Jesus heal him. And then he said, you know what? I'm done with bitterness. Bitterness is boring to me. We got too much work to do. We got a church to build. We got people to love. So let's go. Let's do this thing. They go to Kerala and the rest is history. And I just wonder those stories that are waiting for us, those future testimonies that are waiting for us, for the people in this room, if we would just take the time to heal. We just take the time to, to sit down, to read it, release it, shelf it, share it. So we're going to sing a song right now. Uh, the lyrics say, once I was broken, but you loved my whole heart. Not just part of my heart. But even that locked room part of my heart, heart, you loved my whole heart through sin has no hold on me. Your grace holds me now healed and forgiven. 
Look where my chains are now. Death has no hold on me because your grace holds that ground. And so if I may be so bold to speak to the rooms in your soul that are locked, drowning in bitterness, one, may I say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That pain is real. This isn't just forgive and forget. Everything is cool. No, this is pain and wounds are, are real. And I may not be able to understand fully what you went through, but there's someone who can. In fact, Hebrews 4.15 tells us that, that we have a Messiah, a Savior, who in every way understands what we have been through. Jesus is saying, I know, I get it. I've got the wounds too, except my wounds aren't wounds anymore. Now they're scars, and I'm about to do the same for you. And so would we let Jesus into that space? Would we trust him enough to go, okay, you know what, I'll, 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 read, I'll read it, I'll release it, I'll shelf it, because I promise you there are thousands of people in this wonderful city who share a story like yours. They could really use someone who, who isn't afraid of their pain, isn't put off by their pain, but instead is able to go, oh no, I know that story. I've read it. Actually, it's a, it's a book on my shelf. Why don't you come in, take a seat. Let's heal together. Oh, that we would be a church that heals from our pain so that we can be a light in this city in a place that just is in need of some healing. So Father God, I thank you for this church. Lord, I know that this is a lot. I know this is a lot, and yet it's not too much for you because you are back from the dead, which means healing is not only possible, it's what you do best. So Holy Spirit, in this moment right now, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring healing all across this room, that you would go to those places with us. You would go to those places with us and you would teach us, teach us how to heal. I love Lord, that you came for me. You came for us when we were still sinners. You died for us. And I thank you, Lord, that you are turning wounds into scars, baggage into stories to tell. So would you do that work now as we sing to you in the name of Jesus.